welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. So in some ways, I didn't, as I was saying, I didn't plan it this way particularly, but it was really, I, I think, great that we shared communion together today because the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is all about why we exist as a church, isn't it? The, the, and the church really, for, for us, like the, the church here and the church globally, is built on the truth of the death and resurrection of, of Jesus. And... You know, there, there are many things that we can do as a church. We can do good things in our community and bless people, but that's not why we exist as a church. We can, uh, you know, we, we definitely want to create a community where people are encouraged and can sort of meet up and, and get together, but that's not why we exist as a church. There's kind of like three kind of bold claims that the church makes that as us as Christians make that are kind of why we exist as a church. The first is that Jesus died for the sins of the world. That He, uh, he took our sin, that, that God came to earth, He, he took our sin. We, we're kind of thinking about this as we're sort of in the... Now in November, we're in the, you know, for a lot of us, it's the, the lead up to Christmas. I know some of you have been in Christmas mode for two months already. Uh, <laughs> looking at you Nori uh, <laughs> you know that that God came to earth became one of us and died uh, to pay the penalty for our sin he took our sin uh, so that we could be forgiven before God secondly that Jesus rose again he defeated death he came out of that grave victorious that he you know, he, he built, the, he established the church on the back of his, his resurrection uh, and his power over death. And he sent us the Holy Spirit that Jesus is alive and that he is the king. And thirdly, that anyone who puts their faith in Jesus is born again and changed forever, welcomed into God's family that those who put their trust in Jesus are changed forever. Now, these are not new claims. These are things that have been around for a couple of thousand years. They kind of, they've been the, the foundation of the church, if you like. Uh, but, but, so, but, but that's kind of, I guess, if you like, that's the, that's the foundation of what I'm wanting to share today. Now, this, this series is, it's kind of going to be a little bit about uh, spiritual warfare and I think that's something that as believers we kind of need to know and understand. Now when we talk about spiritual warfare we kind of, it, it conjures up different things and some of us are like yes you know we're going to be talking about you know going out and kicking the devil's butt and bashing some demons and you know and all that kind of stuff and some of you are really excited by that you're like you're like yes that's that's awesome you know we love that and others of you are going like I hope he doesn't like do anything weird and like want us to do weird and talk about anything that's going to, you know, because because we 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 probably have experiences with different um, groups of people, don't we? In terms of, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but um, I'm because I'm excited to talk about this this morning, and it's stuff that I'm 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 learning and being challenged. 
about at the moment and so I want to, you know, if I'm going to be challenged, you know how it works, you're going to be, you get to be challenged with me. So this, the first message, this is, I, I'm hoping this is going to be a bit of a series, right? Because you can't, you can't cover, I, well I can't cover all of this in one week. So, so here's the title and it's kind of a bit of a spoiler, isn't it? Because when we talk about spiritual warfare, we kind of think, yeah, we've got to learn how to fight and all this kind of stuff. But here's, here's the big spoiler. We can, be, we can win before the battle even begins. So that, that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit this morning. As I said before, the, the claims that the church makes about the death and the resurrection of Jesus is, is kind of the foundation of spiritual warfare it's the foundation of our victory it's the foundation uh, of why we live in victory and 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 Paul summarizes it really well in first Corinthians here and this was kind of one of the things that was it's known as a as a doxology it's one of the statements that the early church when they would meet together they would often recite together as a way of um, establishing or reminding or or learning and memorizing some of the essential essential truths and, and, uh, and doctrines of the church. So when, when Paul writes this, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Now, I, I don't know where all of you are. I think probably most of you are fairly comfortable with these truths and with these these concepts of Jesus' death and resurrection. But, you know, regardless of where we're at in terms of how convinced we are of the truth of these things, it's okay, um, you know, because we want to be a church where people can come and explore what the Bible says and what God's all about. And so when people come, they don't necessarily have to be um, convinced of everything straight away. But I think probably most of you I know reasonably well and for most of us here, maybe uh, if you're listening along at home or, you know, online or something like that, you, you may be a little bit uncertain and that's okay. The church is a great place to discover uh, what the Bible says and who God is. All right. So when it comes to living, this is, this is great because essentially what this means for us and what, what this means is that we are already victorious. We already have victory. Whether or not we realize it, whether or not we're standing in it, whether or not we're walking in it, we have, you know, if those of us who are in Christ, we have victory already. This, this message is, um, you know, th- there are far too many of us that uh, are living in defeat. There are far too many of us that feel like the, the struggles that we're facing and, the, and that we're wrestling with, that um, we don't ever feel like we can win. I don't know, ha- have you ever felt, have you ever had, maybe you don't feel like that all the time, maybe you just, there are days when you feel like that, I don't know. Um, but I think that there are a lot of Christians today who don't necessarily understand the, uh, I guess, the, the, how the power of the resurrection and the truth of what God's already done for us gives us that kind of freedom that we've been singing about this morning, that kind of victory and that sort of power over sin. And sometimes when we're kind of in the middle of that and we're wrestling with 
a, a, a sin or a temptation or a struggle or a circumstance or all those kinds of things and it just feels like you know we just don't make any headway you know maybe in that particular area in this particular area and we feel like you know is this going to be something that you know I ever get victory over and so I want to encourage you this morning that we don't have to just kind of like go through life trying to not lose you know we, we actually the Bible talks about us being more than conquerors it talks about us living victoriously uh, thriving and not just surviving and I don't know about you maybe it's just this year um, you know sometimes it feels like we're surviving doesn't it Sometimes it feels like we're, we're getting through, you know, we're, we're still here, we're, you know, but it's, it's a week-by-week week proposition. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't necessarily, we don't necessarily feel like we're living in that kind of victory that the Bible talks about. And so that's a little bit of kind of some of the things that I want to um, share and want us to look at together and hopefully this morning my words come out okay. Um, so... I guess part of what is really important too for us to understand is this is not about us kind of figuring out how to be a really awesome Christian or how to figure out how to overcome temptation, you know, by ourselves and how to do the right things and all that kind of stuff. But it's really about, I guess, understanding that as we come to Jesus, knowing that we are weak, knowing that we, you know, have come from that place of being broken sinners and as we've come into Christ and as we've been saved and forgiven and restored and healed and and made whole that he has actually done this amazing thing for us he's actually given us this kind of victory already and we live from that place of victory whether or not we realize it or understand it or recognize it if I'm saved I'm part of God's family and at some point I'm going to be going home to Him. That's a good thing, isn't it? At the end of it all, you know, God is the King and the King has already won. Scripture is very, very clear about this. You know, the outcome has already been decided. The outcome was decided at the cross with the death and the resurrection. And when Jesus defeated death, he defeated Satan and he defeated sin and he defeated all of the principalities and the powers, the rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm. They have been defeated. And so much of learning to live in this kind of Christian victory and this walk is about us understanding what Jesus has already done for us and accept it and recognize it and learn to, to understand it and live in it. God's intention is that we are conquerors, that we live victoriously with power and with life and with vitality. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and abundant life. I think Paul captures this, this essence really well when he writes to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 1, uh, verse, uh, verses 15 through to 23. And he says, I, I, I pray for you guys. And then he talks about some of the things and the ways that he prays and he prays for them. I want to just kind of uh, read this passage together. If you want to turn with it in your Bibles, we'll have it here on the screen if you want to read along. He says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. 
I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. There's a lot of talk about leaders in the world at the moment with elections going on, but God is, Jesus is above all of that. Any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come, which is a great confidence. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So there are some really uh, powerful kind of important things that Paul is praying and put, when Paul writes to this Ephesian church, he's saying, here's some of the things that I really pray that you will understand. Here's some of the things that I want you to understand that God wants for you. And so I've got four kind of key points out of this passage of Scripture here. And the first one is this, God wants you to grow in your knowledge of Him. Now, you know, I want you to understand what we're talking about. I don't want you to kind of misunderstand. There's, there's a difference between kind of knowledge and, and knowledge. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? No, so, so there's information, right? And we have access to information in a far greater way than we ever have before, don't we? We can, you know, find answers to all kinds of things, you know, with a, a, a click of a button and the type in what we're looking for and if you're anything like me and you're often curious about how the the world works or you know like you're watching something you're like oh I know that actor what have I seen him in and you're like just oh yeah that's right um you know even on on my my tv with the smart tvs these days some of the shows have a feature called x-ray and you can pause it and you can go it'll come up with a list of who the actors are that are in the scene that you're watching and then you can click on them and it will tell you what other things they've been in you know because they know that's that's (laughs) what goes through people's brains but we have this amazing access to information you want to understand or you want information you know i don't know if you've ever been going oh there's that verse that goes something 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 you know and you just type it in and go oh that's where it is you know we have amazing access to information about all kinds of things you know we just turn to our friend trusty mr google and you know type in what we're looking for and you know all kinds of information comes up but information in and of itself doesn't really change lives does it doesn't really ever 
transform, information in and of itself doesn't necessarily bring us closer to God. Even information about God or information about the Bible, I've met all kinds of people who've spent lots and lots of time studying the Bible but their life doesn't really look very transformed because it's just information. And so Paul, uh, when he writes, he talks about more than just knowledge, he also talks about, also prays for them to gain wisdom, which is how we use our knowledge, how we use our information. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we've talked about that before. Uh, it's about how to make good decisions based on the information that we have. And he also prays that they would have insight, which is kind of talking a little bit about things that the Holy Spirit shows us as we study. Now, it's good to have information. It's good to study the Bible and to learn things. And, you know, we, we learn a lot about who God is and about our relationship with Him. But, you know, we need to have that, that wisdom uh, to know what to do with that information, that insight, those things that the Holy Spirit shows us. And absolutely, those are good things to do. But knowing about the Bible and knowing about God, not necessarily... You know, what, what Paul's talking about, he's talking about wanting us to know God relationally and experientially. He wants us to have that intimate relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. When I think about this kind of, you know, I often think about the difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Uh, you know, I, my relationship with Kerry, I've known Kerry for a long time, Probably early, probably about 30 years when we first met each other, probably in the youth group here at Bethel, I think, and um, went to the same school together. But early on, I didn't really know her very well. I knew some things about her and I knew who she was and, and that sort of thing. But <clears throat> I, could, I could tell you things about her, uh, you know, facts and things like that, her age, um, she would probably be upset with me for saying that during church, uh, so we won't talk about that. Uh, but they wouldn't really give you the kind of picture of her that I have. And, and she and I, over 21 years of being married now, um, have gotten to know each other uh, in a way that, you know, we start to, I don't know, if you guys who have been married for a while, you, you kind of, you get to know your spouse in in a way, it's almost like you can predict what they're going to do because you, you know them so well you, you know how they think you know <laughs> you know you, you, you know, certain situation comes up you're like oh, I think she's going to do this I think she's going to you know and, and a lot of the time we're sometimes they surprise us still I'm just to be unpredictable but you know I often that that's part of getting to know somebody is more than just knowing facts and figures and more than just you know their their bio information but we we know somebody we start to be able to predict and I think God wants a little bit of that kind of um, relationship with us or a lot of that kind of relationship with us where where we know him to the point he already knows us all right we're, that, that's kind of you know but what we're getting to know him and starting to learn about what God might think in a certain situation or how God might feel about things or, you know, how, how God might want us to act. And that's that whole, you know, uh, the 
WWJD thing that was in, in vogue in the 90s when I was a teenager and everyone had the little wristbands with WWJD and the, the hats with WWJD and you know, there's a whole bunch of other ones now, it's not quite so popular but it was that kind of, you know, if, if, do I know God well enough to know what he would do in this situation? And so he wants, uh, wants us to know him. Paul writes uh, again in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now, a lot of people kind of stop here and go, yeah, that sounds really awesome. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to have that kind of, you know, know that power of, uh, that, that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, that sounds awesome. Yes, the power. And then, but, you know, and then we kind of don't really want the next bit because it says, you know, Paul goes on and says, I want to suffer with him. And we're like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> Um, nah, I'm not so sure about that bit. You know, just give me the power and not so much of the suffering, all right? Yeah. Um, he says, I want to suffer with him and sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And we've got to understand, and I think most of us have probably experienced this enough in our own lives to know that being a Christian isn't always rosy. Being a Christian isn't always easy and everything doesn't always work out right. But I think part of what Paul is saying here is saying, I want to walk with Jesus and I want to know Jesus. And if that means, if walking with Jesus means that at times suffering comes along, then I'd rather have suffering with Jesus than, than a cushy life without him. And I think sometimes we've kind of got to get to that 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 conviction and have that kind of understanding that make that decision in our lives where we go you know i'm i'm walking with jesus no matter what that means i'm walking with jesus whether that means suffering whether that means uh injustice whether that means death no matter what you know walking with jesus is better than not walking with jesus no matter what comes attached So it says, I want you to, God wants us to grow in our knowledge of Him. Number two, God wants you to live with a daily experience of hope. Now, hope is not an emotion. Hope is not a state of mind. It's not just feeling happy all the time or, you know, feeling like, you know, it's not just like we're the ultimate optimist and we're just always sure that everything's just going to happen just the way we want. It's more than kind of wishful thinking. Hope is a, a settled assurance that what God has promised is true. Let's just recap what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance it isn't always easy to have that kind of hope is it sometimes it's really hard because we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel but we come back ultimately hope is not a feeling hope is a choice and we have to choose it. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we're barely holding on and, and God in His grace sends people to encourage us and to help us 
to hang on to sometimes what's even just, you know, the, the smallest little sliver of, of hope that we've got left. You know, and, and I think probably all of us have times and, and moments where it's, it's harder to hang on to that hope than it is at other times. But as we continue to have that determination, as we continue to choose, and I think it's one of those things that we, we have to choose every day. Every day we kind of have this choice of whether to continue to, to hope and, and trust in God's promises and the things that He's taught us. And as Christians, you know, we, we ought to be the most hopeful people on the planet, shouldn't we? We've got this amazing God who, is, who has made some amazing promises to us about a glorious future, about a great future, and not only a future but also uh, a life here that has him in it and no matter no matter what we face we know that God will be with us we know that God will be working for us that God will be bringing uh, you know working together all those things for our good because he is for us and not against us we've got these amazing promises and you know and ultimately we know that no matter what people might do to us that that we will be with God in the end, that the king wins and, and we get to go and uh, we get to be with him. So we have that hope. And I think that's one of the things, you know, we, we know that our, our, we have a king who is alive. You know, we have a, a God who is living and powerful and is, is coming again and, and bringing victory. So God wants us to live with that daily experience of hope. Number three, God wants you to walk in the power of the resurrection. He says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. What kind of power does it take to bring a dead person back to life? I don't know about you, but I don't often think about myself having that sort of power. We don't, do we? We'd be going to praying over a lot more people in the morgue if we felt like we had that power, wouldn't we? But this is what Paul says in this passage of Scripture. He's saying that the Holy Spirit who dwells in you is that power. The power that, you know, because it was the Spirit of God that, that raised Jesus from the dead. And because the Spirit of God dwells in you, you have that kind of power for, for everything that He calls you to do. Everything that He asks you to do, whether it's, you know, bringing someone back from the dead, whether it's praying for someone who's sick, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be some sort of miracle whether it's faith whether it's you know that that you know trusting in God for provision whether it's you know whatever that you know getting up the front and and speaking and and sharing a uh, a message or a testimony or doing something really difficult like uh giving a, a positive testimony about Jesus in your workplace where people aren't particularly um, friendly and open to talking about God like we are here. 
You have that kind of power. Now, there are two, two words that are often used when, when Paul writes and he uses them in this passage of Scripture. The first one is dunamis. And dunamis is the kind of the, the origin word where we get the word dynamic or, or dynamite or dynamo. Uh, it's this, uh, this sense of physical power, explosive power, active power. And, and you and I are never powerless when we follow Jesus. When we have God working in us, we have power to choose joy. We have the power uh, to, to be healed in Jesus' name and to pray for others to receive healing. We have the power to overcome difficult circumstances. We have the power to have victory over temptation. We have the power to, to kind of do all sorts of miraculous things as God leads us to do those things. And as we exercise that authority and obedience to what God is, is doing. So sometimes when, when, when God calls us, you know, and God puts that little thing in our heart and says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to give. Here's who I want you to pray for. Here's what I want you to pray for. Here's what I want you to say. You know, when you feel like saying, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I've got what it takes. God says, you can and you have. That's, that's, there's power. We sang that this morning, didn't we? There is power in the name of Jesus. Do you believe it? Do you believe it for you or just for other people? <laughs> All right, we won't press that too hard. But the other kind of power, and this is the, the fourth thing, that God wants us to claim the authority of Christ over you and through you. And this other kind of power that he talks about is this word exousia, which is kind of what we often think about as authority. The exousia of God, the kingdom authority of God over all the powers of darkness. Now, we, we kind of understand we have, there's all sorts of illustrations and things, isn't there, about authority. We, we have um, examples of authority. If you think about police officers, like Eddie down the back here, when he puts on that uniform and he clocks on, he's got, he carries the authority of our government. It's not authority because of who he is as a person, is it? It's, it's who you are representing. And you have authority because you are under authority. And we have authority because we are under the authority of God. And He has this kind of delegated authority where, where the ultimate ruler of, of the land or the king or the government or whatever delegates authority to their representatives to go out and enact their will. You think about it as a, another example is, uh, you know, I always find myself driving through the, the traffic crossing outside of Nicholson Avenue Primary School and often they'll have the little kids with the, the stop signs. Yeah, who's ever been through uh, crossing? Yep, you know, it's like when that kid steps out, you know, well, they don't step out too far, but when they put that sign out, um, what happens? The cars stop, the trucks stop. Generally, <laughs> why does that car stop? It's not because that little kid with a sign is more powerful. 
but it has authority. You know, if you've got a semi-trailer driving up to that traffic crossing uh, and that little kid puts the stop sign out, uh, who, who's, got the more, uh, who's got more dunamis power? The truck does. <laughs> if that truck didn't hit the brakes, they'd clean up that kid without a problem, without even blinking. I know, and we're really grateful that the other kind of authority, exousia, authority power exists, um, <laughs> you know, and, and the truck recognises that authority. And this is, you know, God wants us to understand that we have been given authority because we are in Christ, because we carry His name, because we are His ambassadors, because we are His representatives as His church on earth, we also carry His authority, which He has delegated to us. And because we are under His authority. Now, Jesus, now most of us would probably not dispute, although we may not necessarily always comprehend exactly what it means, but we wouldn't dispute that Jesus has authority over everything in heaven and everything in earth. We're, we kind of, we get that. Scripture is very clear God has, you know, seated Jesus at the right hand and, you know, put everything under His feet and He's the head over all creation, all spiritual forces, all spiritual powers. We don't normally dispute this idea that Jesus has authority, do we? And sometimes we want Jesus to come and kind of solve all of the things for us. Wouldn't that be nice? Jesus, if you could just come down and just take care of a few things for me, that would really help out. Um, that would make my week so much better. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and Jesus is like, hey, I've given you authority to deal with that stuff. And when we talk about this whole concept of, of spiritual warfare, uh, you know, and, and living victoriously and having victory over the things that the enemy will try to throw at us to bring us down to pull us down to make us ineffective to discourage us if we want to have victory over that stuff we have to understand that we have been given authority over those things in jesus name so ultimately it boils down to this when you follow king jesus you already have victory you've already won even before the battle has begun now there are there are there are times when we we wrestle but this understanding this idea understanding this concept that Jesus has already defeated our enemy will help us to 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 tackle those things in the, in that area the the spiritual things in the spiritual realm now there still be moments when we experience defeats and setbacks and discouragement but ultimately we have this confidence in knowing that Jesus has won the battle. And in the end, we're already victorious. If we have Jesus as our Savior and have received Him as our King, we have surrendered and, and submitted to His authority in our life, then we can have victory as we exercise that authority in our lives as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for that authority that you've given to us as your children, as your people. 
we thank you for just a thank you that you desire a relationship with us that you came that we would have victory in this life that we would not have to walk in defeat that we would not have to walk in uh, surrender to, to sin and to death in this life but that we could be victorious because we have that uh, power and authority of you at work in us Father, I pray that you would help us to, to build this into our life as, the, as a foundation for every day. Well, that we would understand and that we would have that strong conviction that we have victory because you have already won. You have already defeated the enemy. At the cross, you took it all. You took away its power. Your word says, the power of the, the authorities of this world and you nailed them to that cross. You triumphed over them in victory and you call us into that, that relationship with you that brings victory for our lives as well. Father, I pray that, that during this week as, as we go away, as we, we think on this, as we meditate on this, as we, we pray on this and, and ask you to help us to have that revelation Lord that you would lead us into that truth by your Holy Spirit that you would show us and reveal to us so that we would know that we have that victory that no matter what circumstances or the situation around us right now might look like that ultimately we have victory through Jesus Christ we have victory over, over spiritual over natural, over physical, over emotional over all the aspects of our life Lord, you, you give us victory. Lord, we want to walk with you. We want to walk in that. We want to understand that. We want to know it and we want to know you. We pray that you would help us, Holy Spirit, to discover all those things as you lead us. We pray these in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.